Now concerning spiritual gift, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Father God, we uh, stand in your presence Having heard your word, ask you, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see and you would open our ears to hear what it is that you have for us, that you would fill us with your life-giving spirit, Lord, and that we would know you more deeply and that we would be drawn into your life more fully and that we would love one another with the fullness of the spirit that you give us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're in the season of Epiphany, and last week we celebrated the baptism of our Lord, and we had our own baptisms here. And the week before that, we talked about the story of the the Magi coming um, to the light of Christ, first through the light of the star, and then the light of the word, and then they beheld the light of Christ. And Epiphany is about Jesus being revealed to the world. Um, And if you keep that theme in mind, and you think about the readings we just had, maybe one of these texts is not like the others. Um, Maybe it doesn't quite fit why the Corinthians reading is here. And I want to talk about the Corinthians reading, but I want to make a couple connections with the other readings before we do, just so that you have this framework in mind. In the text from Isaiah, we heard this amazing declaration of God's grace and his love for his people, that a people who were once desolate are no longer desolate, that a people who were forsaken are now called married. And there was this beautiful phrase that the bridegroom rejoices over the bride. The bridegroom rejoices over the bride. He loves her. He graciously gifts her. He pours out his abundance on her. And that's one way to look at the gospel reading, that that's what Jesus is doing, that Jesus in the story in Cana is the bridegroom. Notice what the person says, like the bridegroom is the one in charge of the wine. The bridegroom is the one who brings the wine. And what most bridegrooms do is they save the bad wine for later once people are drunk and they don't know what they're drinking. But you're not like that. The servant thinks he's saying that to the bridegroom, but really he's saying it about Jesus, that he brings the best wine at the end, the greatest wine, and that he pours it out in absolute abundance. That's what Paul is talking about when he talks about life in the spirit. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God are the spoils of the bridegroom that Jesus gives to us, his bride. He gives his bride with the Holy Spirit. 
He pours out his spirit upon his people. Jesus raises from the dead. He ascends into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father and he pours out the blessing of the spirit, the spoils of the bridegroom on us, his bride. Now we can talk about Paul. Keep all of that in mind as we talk about these verses. We're jumping into the middle of a conversation that we have only heard one side of. Chapter, or chapter 12, verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. There's an indication here and based on the rest of the letter that, that Paul is responding to something that they had asked him specifically about, that they had written him some sort of letter and he is addressing some sort of issue that, that they have. They think they're having one conversation and Paul wants to have a different conversation. <laughs> They want to have a conversation about spiritual gifts or spiritual things or spiritual realities. And he wants to talk about the Holy Spirit. They want to talk about gifts, spiritual gifts, and he wants to talk about grace gifts. More on that in a second. So this is a conversation that the Corinthians want to have, but Paul wants to have a different conversation. What Paul wants to do in this text is he wants to move them beyond a thin understanding of the spiritual life or spirituality into a robust understanding of life in the Holy Spirit. They want to talk about spirituality and he wants to talk about the Holy Spirit. They want to talk about gifts and he wants to talk about grace. And as we look at this text, I'm going to just be upfront with you. There are two inconvenient truths that we have to come to grips with. The first is that there really is no spiritual life apart from the Spirit the Holy Spirit. Now, you know you're having an intense conversation when the second line of it says, you know that when you were pagans, it's such a nice way to warm up a conversation, right? You remember when you were a pagan? Do you remember what you were like? But he's saying that there's, there were these spiritual realities, but it wasn't the robust spiritual life, the spirit-filled life, the Holy Spirit life that I'm going to talk about now. The first inconvenient truth is that for us, there is no spiritual life, real spiritual life, apart from the Holy Spirit. And the second inconvenient truth is that there is no real life in the Spirit apart from community. Gifts within a body, people expressing their gifts, mutually benefiting each other for the common good. But those two inconvenient truths are based on one unbelievable promise. Remember that the bridegroom loves his bride. Remember that the bridegroom pours out his gifts on his bride. Because of a freely given gift, we can experience life in God through each other. That's the unbelievable promise of this text. Because of the freely given gifts of the Holy Spirit, we can experience life in God and what God is like through each other. That's what Paul says at the center of these verses. Look at verse seven. He says, to each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Right there, this is why this is an epiphany text. Manifestation. The reality of God coming to the people of God, not through a star, like with the Magi, not through the baptism, the voice from heaven, like last week, but through us. In us and through us to each other. The manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Good. That's why this is an epiphany text. We're meant to be an epiphany to each other. That when we are operating in the life of the Spirit, 
when I'm operating my gifts and you're operating your gifts and we're mutually benefiting each other, that is a picture of who God is and what he's like. And not just a picture of it, but an actual manifestation of the reality of God. That's what Paul wants us to remember. That's what he wants the Corinthians to remember. He wants to move them beyond mere spirituality for their own sakes. He wants to move them beyond a self-focused thing, making sure that I have the best gifts so that I'm seen as being the best to a vision of mutual benefit and the common good. Look at verses four through six. Paul says, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. He puts three things in the column that have variety and he puts three things in the column that have sameness. The things that have variety are gifts, service, and activities. The things that have sameness are the spirit, Lord, and God. There's something of a Trinitarian shape to what he's talking about. Spirit is Paul's way of talking about the Holy Spirit. Lord is his way of talking about Jesus. And God is his way of talking about the Father. He's saying because of the Trinitarian reality of who God is, of someone who, of God who is one in three persons, a diversity of persons who are unified, that there can be a variety of things, but still a unity, that diversity and unity can exist in, with each other and not swallow each other up, that the spirit is always the spirit, that Jesus is always Jesus, that the father is always the father, but they are always pouring themselves out on behalf of the other. Varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities, yet the same spirit, Lord, God. See, the Corinthians were getting confused because there were all these gifts happening around them and they, they put certain gifts in one category and they put other gifts in another category and said, these are the good gifts and these are the ones from the spirit and these are the bad gifts and they're not from the spirit. And Paul is saying, no, they're all from the spirit. Don't let the variety distract you. Don't let the variety of it confuse you. Don't let the variety of it put you into a mindset where you're ranking what is better than the other because it all comes from the same Lord, the same God. And more than that, that word for gift there, its root is the word for grace. So he's saying there are a variety of gracious gifts. There are a variety of freely given gifts. If you tag that on with what he says in verse 11, it says that they are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. These are sovereignly given, free, gracious gifts from a gracious, loving God. This is the bridegroom pouring out his gifts, his gracious blessing on his bride. So don't concentrate on what makes it different. Concentrate on what makes it the same. The same Lord, the same God the same spirit. So we have this manifestation. We have this possibility of manifestation through these gifts. And not just the manifestation from some, but the manifestation from everyone. Again, look at verse seven. To each is given the manifestation. Not just a certain group of people, not just a subgroup of people, not just the clergy, not just people with collars, not just people with a title, not just people in general, but everyone. Each person is given a gift. Everyone has something 
to share. Everyone has something about God to show us about God. Everybody has a gift to manifest something about the divine nature to each one of us. And what is that given for? It's given for the common good. It's given for all. Now, common good is maybe one of those phrases that kind of gets bounced around now um, because we don't have it anymore. (laughs) People talk about it because there is no such thing as the common good anymore, or we've lost a vision of it. Um, Maybe that's how you've, that's how I've heard it talked about. It's really something like mutual benefit, but common good is a really great way to say it. It's this idea that it's not just my good versus your good, your vision of good versus my vision of good, that there really is something that can mutually benefit both of us, that it's life-giving, that it's joyous, that it's not competitive, that it's not zero-sum, like I succeed and, and because I succeed, you fail. It means my gift is expressed and your gift is expressed and it all comes together to make something bigger than it could have possibly made before. I was listening to a podcast this week and it was a teacher who was being interviewed, teacher giving some parent advice and she was talking about creating an environment within a school where bullying is less likely and that the way that you do that is that you create an opportunity for the kids to see what the other kids are good at and that it's not based on difference, like I'm over here and you're over here, but them working together. So the interviewer was intrigued by that. And he said, well, how does that actually work? How do you actually do that? She said, well, let me give you an example. She said, I've found, because I'm a special ed uh, focused teacher, that a lot of kids who are dyslexic are really good storytellers. So let's say I'm in a class and I've got a kid who's struggling with dyslexia, who's a really good storyteller. I would have him write a story or come up with a story. And then I would get two kids who are really good artists to illustrate the story. And then I would get two other kids who like to work with their hands to build a set for the story. And then I would get two other kids who are the class clown, I would get them to act out the story. And then everybody in the class is working together on this one story. And they all get to see what everybody else is good at. And they all get to work together to build something that they couldn't have built on their own. And I heard that and I was like, she's onto something. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what the common good is. It's not just, I express my gifts so that you can tell me how great I am and you express your gifts so I can tell how you great you are. It's us working together for the mutual benefit and the building up of Christ's body. Another way to think of it is my wife has been uh, really into gardening lately and we got, uh, she got a compost bin for her birthday. That's what she wanted for her birthday, okay? It's literally a trash gift, but that she wanted it for her birthday. So compost has changed the whole way that I think about our food and when I'm scraping our plate, right? It's not just an, a useless eggshell anymore. It's something that can go in the compost heap and work with the coffee grinds and the slabs of cardboard and all the other garbage that's in there to create something incredible. And there's some chemical reactions going on. She told me that it'll actually start steaming at a certain point. It will start steaming and the worms will do their thing. And then that will turn into vegetables that we'll later eat. And when is an eggshell not just an eggshell anymore? When is coffee grinds not just coffee grinds anymore? It's when it's working together to create something bigger than itself. For the sake of the bride, for the sake of the body, for the sake of the family of God, God graciously gives his spirit. He gifts them. Now you'll notice... There's this long list of gifts. 
and we could spend weeks and weeks talking about each one. I just want to say a few things about the gifts themselves. The first thing is Paul's list here is not comprehensive. This is not the sum total of all spiritual gifts. If you compile all the lists in the New Testament, I don't even think that's the full list of spiritual gifts. I think anything that God can graciously give you that helps serve the church is a spiritual gift. So if you don't see yourself on there, that's fine. If some of them scare you, that's fine too. Um, we believe that all these things can still happen. Um, we're, not making, we're not scratching certain things off the list, um, but we're saying that this isn't the whole list. There's more to the list. And the reality I think that Paul is getting at by listing all of them is not necessarily to give precise definitions, but to show the variety. His emphasis is on the variety of the gifts. Um, in chapter 14, he talks more specifically about prophecy and tongues because those were the ones that the Corinthians were interested in. But there's all sorts of other things on here. And if you imagine all of these things happening at once amongst a community of people, it'd be a pretty bustling, life-giving, interesting community. The issue for us though is the reason that we have this letter is because it wasn't going well for them, <laughs> right? We wouldn't, if it was just humming along in Corinth and they got it all right, we wouldn't have 1 Corinthians and we certainly wouldn't have 1 Corinthians 12. And that's another inconvenient truth for us, which is as much as I can say that all of these things happen in the context of community, community is a pretty messy reality. Community is inconvenient and awkward, and that's when it's going well, right? If it was just inconvenient and awkward, I'm like, that was a pretty good, that was a, that was a good community. When it's going badly, it can hurt, it can disappoint us, we can feel betrayed, it can create, and rightly so for some, a crisis of faith, because if we're supposed to manifest God to each other and we don't, that can leave you in a pretty jaded, dark place. But yet the reality here for Paul and for us and for the Christian church through age is that the spiritual life is meant to happen in community. That it's not just me and the Holy Spirit and me and Jesus alone with my gifts. It's the Holy Spirit working in and through me in order to bless the body. And the Holy Spirit working in and through you in order to bless the body. And the thing that strikes me from this text as I was just praying through and studying this week is how much we need each other, that we're incomplete without every one of us, that there's something that God has for each one of us through each one of us, and that that's the reality of community life together, that the gifts are meant to work in community and they're meant to manifest who God is to each other and to the world, and they're meant to build up the common good. And it is the reality of community that it's the only place that we can learn the voice, the movement, and the ways of the Spirit. Life in Christ is life in the Holy Spirit. If we don't know what the Holy Spirit sounds like, we're not gonna understand scripture. He is the one who convicts us of sin. He's the one who sows his fruit in us. He's the one who gifts us. And it's only in the context of God's people that we learn his voice 
that we learn the ways of his movement and that we learn his ways. I was thinking about St. Bart's and just how for me, and I know for some of you just in conversation, this is a very peaceful place. And when I come uh, to worship here, uh, not just because I work here, um, but I feel the peace of God. And I was thinking about that, is that how do we know the spirits at work is that we sense and we see his fruit. And Paul talks about elsewhere, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. You kind of know you're in the presence of God and he's at work if you're experiencing those things. And I, I believe that St. Bart's has been blessed as an environment of peace where people can come and experience the peace of God, where they can experience a respite. Jay talks about uh, how this building images us to be settled, settled in sort of a quiet space. There's sort of a contemplative posture just in coming. And maybe some of it's meeting at night, but I think it's part of what God's doing here. Is that he does a work of peace. That's part of the voice, part of the movement, part of the ways of the spirit for us as the people of St. Bart's. That's one of the ways that the spirit, I think, has gifted us as a congregation. That we've created an environment, he's created an environment of peace that we can invite people into. And then in an environment of peace and rest, people can experience healing. It's through each other that God is drawing us deeper into his life. Now, Sunday mornings is part, or Sunday evenings is part of how we gather together and how part of how we're the body of Christ, but it's not the only way. And really this whole sermon has been a long commercial for pastorates because pastorates are starting this week. I'm just gonna tell you, right? I am selling you something and it's called pastorates. Um, pastorates are the way that we do community here. Pastorates are mid-sized groups that meet throughout East Dallas. And um, our pastorate, the core of our pastorate has been meeting for five or six years, I was remembering. Um, been meeting in our home or different people's homes. And the idea is we get together, we share a meal, we talk about the scriptures, we pray for each other. It's so simple, just the simplest setup. But if you do that on a long enough timeline, stuff happens. You get to know people, you get to know their needs, you get to know what they're really like. And guess what? You get to know what their gifts are. The only way to figure out what your spiritual gifts are is to be in community. You can't figure it out in isolation. You can't go into a hermetically sealed you know, tube and come out two weeks later with a list of your spiritual gifts and how you're gonna use them in the exact way. They're forged in community, they're fostered in community, and they're discerned in, in community. You have, to be, you have to put yourself in a place to be known in order to start using what God has gifted you to do. And as I've already mentioned, community can be messy. It doesn't always work the way that it's supposed to, which is why I, I have to continually remind myself I think we have to be continually reminded that the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, that the bridegroom wants us to experience the fullness of what he has purchased for us, which is life in his spirit, the spirit that re rebirths us, that gives us life, that draws us to God, that gifts us, that bears his fruit in us. So maybe some of you need to experience some healing related to community, and I hope that St. Bart's can be a safe place for that to happen. Some of you maybe have thought about joining a pastorate and this is just a nice reminder that th that's really something that you should do. 
And for those of you who are already in a pastorate, I hope this serves as a great reminder of what we're doing and why we're doing it and why it matters. You know, why does it matter to gather in someone's home on a Tuesday evening and have a meal and talk about the scriptures and pray for each other? Well, it matters a great deal because it is a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your gracious gifts. Lord, I pray that in the context of community, in the context of St. Bart's, in worship, in pastorates, in all the things that we do, that we would mutually benefit each other, that we would build up the common good, and that we would show to the world who you are and what you're like. We thank you for the peace of your presence, the peace of your spirit. Continue to work in and through us. Draw us to yourself. Draw us deeper into you. In Jesus' name, amen.